Before we get started, we just want to let you know about a few ways you can support our Grassroots Indie show. You can follow us on social media at No Bad Reviews Pod. We'd love it if you could go to your favorite podcasting app and rate us and review us. Also, please tell a friend about our podcast. And last, you can financially support us on patreon.com slash nobadreviews, buymeacoffee.com slash nobadreviewspod, and you can buy merch at our website, nobadreviewspodcast.com. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a coffee podcast. This is a podcast where three friends, co-workers, and coffee industry professionals get together every other week and tell you something about coffee. Or something about business, alpha males, racism, <laughs> history. America. <laughs> I'm Jenny. I run the operations at a coffee company, and that's what makes me a coffee expert. And I'm Marcus. I'm the guy behind the girl. And I'm Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the girl behind the guy behind the girl. And I'm behind you. It's all a a circle jerk of coffee (laughs) and podcasting. Yay. That's so romantic. We are not a thruple, for anybody who's wondering. <laughs> We're just friends. Co-workers and coffee industry professionals. Well, some of us are just Brought friends. Brought it right back. That <laughs> was great. Some of us are just friends. Yeah. Right. None of us are co-workers. Wait, we're all co-workers. Yeah. yeah, but you said some of us are just friends. Yeah. Well, well just because friends. you said we're just friends, and I wanted to clarify that you and Marcus are more than friends. Right. Because you've been married for like I 20 years. I guess that's years. true. But you that's know what? True. Marcus is my friend first. Aw. Yep. I tell really him. Sweet. I yep. tell him if we get divorced, we're. St- I hope we can still be friends, because and we're friends first. We were not friends first, but we've become friends first. <laughs> yep. Jenny is my best friend, um, and when we uh, when we get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. As long as we can still be friends with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> then we can make that work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this is a this is a topic I've been researching for a long time because I find it really interesting. But it wasn't an episode until like two days ago when I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't do the research for the episode we were going to do. And that one I have done none research on. So we were like, let's turn it into an episode. Well, I think this is good. I think it's going to be a good follow-up for our horrible toxic male episode of last time it's kind of the opposite of a toxic masculinity podcast episode we are going to talk about the melita company i love the melita cone i love it yeah it's great so yeah so i don't think that a lot of people at least in the united states have a ton of respect for Melita, mm. especially not in the coffee industry, you're never hearing people, I mean, aside from their filters, I think most people are pretty familiar with their filters. Their filters are kind of a like standard, like gold standard of filters. That's what you're going to use if you're using a cone. Pretty much. Yeah, pour over. Like you're, 
that's what you're going to buy. Um, but that's it's a most commercially available product. Well, that's true, but I feel like they are also just really good filters. Like you can buy knockoff filter cone filters for a pour over, but they're not as good as the Melita. Um, but as far as like their brewing equipment, you never hear anybody. I mean, I think probably the V60 from Hario gets the most buzz or like the Chemex. It's like you're a Chemex if you're like a beginning, like mainstream coffee nerd. And then you're a V60, I think, if you want to be... Um, extra. Yeah, if you want to be like extra annoying about your coffee <laughs> brewing. I don't even know what the V60 is. So that's... Oh. There you go. Like that's where you get like cred for being like a little bit higher... Like, oh, you use a Chemex? Well, I use a V60. It's all, you know, we'll have to do an episode on Hario. Hario's, you've heard of Hario, the gooseneck kettle, right? Hello Kitty? Hario. No, that's Sanrio. (laughs) (laughs) It is a Japanese company, though, Hario. Uh, I thought you were going to say Gummy Bears. Oh. No, it's Haribo. That's a German company. I don't actually, um, yeah, I don't know what this is. Okay, yeah. so yeah, it's like it's basically like your your levels of elitism, right? There's so many levels of elitism in the coffee industry, and it's like Chemex is like introductory. Then v- being a V60 is like a little bit mm, da da da. Um, and oh, it's then, a it's a rabbit it's a rabbit hole. We can go down that. <laughs> I mean, you know? like, there's I don't want to I don't want to say anything bad about however people brew their coffee or however they think it's best or whatever. So yeah. I'm not trying to like make a dig on people. I'm just trying to say like if you were on say Reddit. Mm-hmm. The most annoying, like, these are the levels of people who get a little too intense about <laughs> coffee. Uh, but know. what I'm saying is that nobody's ever, like, goes hard on Melita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. It's ubiquitous. And they're everywhere. And I think that that's why, right? It's like once something is, is sort of standard, it's lost. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's no longer, like, the shiny new you know, flavor of the month. Well, you know, those filter, those cones are plastic mm-hmm. and they're f- like two, I paid $2 and 99 cents for mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to be like super cool when you're buying the cheapest thing on the market. Right. Right. But I'm a huge fan. Huge There's fan. a lot of people who are going to be like, don't use a plastic filter cone either. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like this goes into the whole like, uh, like a little bit of elitism, right? Like, oh, well, you got to use glass, you got to use ceramic because these are going to hold the heat while it's dripping through and mm. da 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 da. And it's like, just brew your coffee, right? Like, that's where I come from. If to me, the most important piece in your coffee brewing is going to be your coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not buying high quality coffee, it doesn't matter what you're brewing it on, it's going to be garbage. Mm-hmm. Second most is going to be a grinder. That's my second. Like, you got to have a good grinder so you have even particle size. Mm-hmm. I would argue that weighing your coffee is more important than grind. So, getting the right ratio to me is more important than than grind. I so guess that that's you know, true. That's you know, if true. you're going to make any investment, weigh your coffee before you scoop your coffee. That's I think that true. that's a little bit more cheaper first introductory upgrade then grind yeah i think you're probably right because you can buy like a cheap ten dollar scale as long as it measures in grams you're all good yeah and you'll be you'll be significantly better than without a grinder so that's that's true if i had to have a if i had to have my grinder in a tablespoon or a blade grinder in my scale i would probably choose a blade grinder in a scale you're right. All right. So <laughs> all I'm saying is that there are the elements that are much more important before you even get to brewing equipment. Once you get to brewing equipment, like 
you, you'll find a way to work with whatever a piece of equipment that you have. It's going to produce good coffee as long as those other things are taken care of. And it does come down to personal preference. And so I, I'll be like the scientific voice here is that I've done a lot of research in the, in the extraction of brewing and it's been scientifically proven. There's a box of acceptable extraction ratios that people will find appealing. So that's why I think that extraction um, method just comes down to like personal choice. It's all going to be good after a certain point. Hmm. Well, one thing too, I'd want to, that you just made me think of is um, one thing I don't agree with, with the Melita company is that they recommend a finer grind and using less coffee. Mm. I personally believe you should have a slightly like not, I don't want to say coarse, but not a fine grind, like a nice medium grind and maybe use more coffee so, well, anyways, so that, that's like that goes into that Venn diagram of personal preference, right? right? Like if you have a finer grind, you're going to need to use less coffee. My fear is that the filter gets clogged and it takes too long. So, like, whatever. This might not even make it in because yeah. this is getting too but in the weeds. The interesting thing, though, about that, right, is since you bring that up about them saying to use less coffee, right? My understanding of Melita is that it's always been sort of a budget-friendly company, to begin with, like the, her philosophy of in creating it was sort of at, at a time where we're DIY and doing it yourself and being thrifty. Wasn't it kind of like around the depression that she started? Um, okay, so good way to segue <laughs> back into the episode. Good job, Marcus. So yeah, so if you haven't been able to tell by now, we're doing the history of the Melita company. Um, and so Melita is more than just like, paper filter company they're more than just like a pour over brew method they are the inventors of the pour over method entirely wow yeah really Uh so um the woman who invented it her name is amelie auguste melita bents nice yeah so she just went by melita bents uh she was born in 1873 in Germany, Dresden, Germany is where she was born. Really? Yeah. So this is a German company. So she came from a family of entrepreneurs. Her grandparents owned a pub. Her dad owned a bookstore and publishing company. Uh, and so then she met, and then her husband, he was an entrepreneur. He was a manager at a department store. So he had sales and retail experience. Oh. This is like the perfect family, a bar, a bookstore, and coffee. I know. It's like everything <laughs> you could possibly need. And publishing paper. Yeah, and paper, right. Oh, for the filters. Well, she's familiar with paper, <laughs> yes. Yes, right. Um, it is a thing. So, right. yeah, so she grew up with paper. Um, it doesn't have a direct link, but, you know, she it could have something in the back of her mind. Being familiar with paper helped her, like, right. have that light bulb moment. So she mar- marries Hugo in 1899. They have a lot of names in Germany at this time. Johannes <laughs> Emil Hugo Benz. But he just went by Hugo. They had their first son around the same time. Mm. Um, there was, first, Willie was born in 1899 and Horst in 1904. So, you know, you got Hugo. He's off at the department store doing his job. Uh, she's doing the stay-at-home mom thing. We all know how it is with a stay-at-home mom. Your friends come over. You guys have play dates. The kids all play together. And at the time... Um, early 1900s, the biggest ways that you would drink coffee, there was still, you know, there was like Turkish coffee, which we talked mm, about mm-hmm. before. Also, the percolator 
is the main thing that everyone's using in Germany. Oh, man, Jenny's shaking her ass now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, is it time for the percolator? It is. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the percolator, like, it's like a tall pot with a spout. And on the inside, there's a tube. So, like, on top of the spout fits a basket. It's got, like, holes in it, and that's where you put your coffee grounds. And so as the water boils, it's forced up from the bottom, up through the tube. It falls into this basket gets all the coffee grounds wet, and then those all drip through. So there's some problems with this design. Uh, one, it's um, you're it's using boiling water. Mm. And so it's super hot. It's going to be like, it, that's not ideal temperature for brewing coffee. Also, like you might have some coffee that's brewed and then re-brewed. So right. it kind of goes, cycles through. Even though like ideally you're not trying to cycle it through, but some is going to cycle through. So it's just going to be overall uneven extraction overbrewing burnt um then like coffee grounds are also coming out of this filter basket and getting into the bottom as well mm. as much as you try not to so like the coffee's basically garbage <laughs> and melita was like this is like horrible i love coffee i am a fucking new mom so i'm exhausted and i need it um so i gotta figure out a better way to do this so she kind of became a little bit obsessed with like figuring out a better way to make coffee mm. so she tried like doing it like tea style and that wasn't really what she was looking for and um she experimented like i guess with some like fabric or something and anyways one day kind of like she had that light bulb moment she, she like was like hmm so she took a piece of tin can and then or like a pot or whatever like a small metal vessel and she poked some holes in the bottom of it with a hammer and a nail and then she took a piece of her son's blotting paper and I don't, I don't, it's, because you'd use an ink pen, right? And then and you would it have would, to kind of blot, yeah, yeah, so you wouldn't get ink all over the oh. place, right? Okay. I yeah, know this of, because you know the early 1900s. Is my time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so she takes a piece of this blotting paper. It's kind of meant to absorb liquids, right? Um, so it's not quite as like, it's not quite as like smooth as like a regular piece of paper. It's a little bit, you know, textured or whatever, looser weave so she cuts a piece of that puts that in the bottom and then brews her coffee that way so she's kind of taking the idea of a percolator where you have your grounds and you're pouring the hot water over it and then it drips through and she tried it amazing genius so good and she's like well shit <laughs> i have a fucking idea mm -hmm. and so she immediately goes and patents it awesome 1908 nice. she's a fucking bad bitch for real <laughs> she's like i am gonna do this i mean we're in the early 1900s She's like 35. She's got two young kids and she's just like, I'm going to do it. That's awesome. Like, what could women do back then? Not as much, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. She's like, fuck it. And so she goes and she's like in it. So they patent the idea. Her husband quits his job. They start just making, they find like a metal manufacturer to manufacture her prototype and her, then what becomes her very first pour over device. That's dope. Yeah. So it's kind of similar to. Um, it almost, the Vietnamese coffee fin, which like basically like you figure a cylindrical shape with the bottom kind of like a can might be. And so, but hers was like short, like say like an inch tall or something. And so it's kind of flat and then it sits over a cup and you put a paper filter in the bottom, similar, like a flat paper filter, kind of like an AeroPress. Mm -hmm. And then you put your coffee in and then you drip the water over it. It's meant to make like an eight ounce cup. It's small. Amazing. Yeah. 
She finds a metal worker who's going to make these. They're made out of brass. Ooh, fancy. I know. I know, right? Right. Really nice. And so they're making these filters and packaging them in their apartment. And they're just doing this all from their apartment. And her husband quits his job so they, they can market this during the day. Their sons are del- making deliveries after school, but the cart hooked up to the back of their bike. Aww. So freaking cute. Adorable. The whole family is in on this. And so she's like out there, they're doing trade shows. Wow. Like they, 1911, so just a few years later, they won an award. Like their very first the best award. new invention. Basically, yeah. It was at like some hygiene show. I don't know what, what I don't really know what happened at the hygiene show <laughs> back in the day, but it was more cleanly as well. It's easier to clean oh. than the percolators were because right. it's like, all, what do you do? It's all these fucking grounds get everywhere. Yeah. You just take this filter, knock it in the garbage. Boom. We all know how that goes. Clean. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I hate the French press. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah exactly. Clean up. I like French press coffee, but man, cleaning up, I am a lazy guy. Fucking grounds everywhere. Right. Fucking A. Yeah, so she, that, so she wins her first awards. Pretty cool. So she, they're just in it. And so then, uh, you know, her husband was working in the department store before he quit. And what they used to have in the department stores was like demonstration ladies is what they were mm. called. I mean, it's a glorified Costco Costco demo lady, booth babes. Yes, (laughs) booth babes. So they, so like he took that idea and he would go stand in shop windows and just make coffee. (laughs) So people walking by would be like, "What is this?" And they would come into the store, or people shopping in the store would be like, "What is this?" And you know they're letting people try. I mean, they were out there really working hard, and of course it's so novel. People are like, "Whoa!" So the it just took off. I mean, it took off in, like, a crazy way. And so they they basically did this with, like, and no money. It was, like, very little startup costs. It was, like, 73 German pennies. Okay. I don't know what that... <laughs> I tried so hard to figure out a conversion. The best I could figure... A hundred years ago? It's probably, like, four bucks. More. It, well, yeah. so, like, my best conversion would... Was the furthest I could get back was 1938. It would have been the equivalent of like 25 US dollars in 1938. So let's just say a little bit more, obviously more than that in 1908. But yeah, so they like, they really did it. Like they worked hard. They reinvested all of their money back into the business. Things were going great. By the time they were winning these awards, they were like, this whole business was taking over their apartment. Unfortunately, 1914. World War One, mm, But yeah. you know what? Remember, she's a bad bitch. She didn't let that stop her. Her husband gets drafted into the Ugh. war in World War One, And she's like, fuck it. I'm going to keep going. Was not able to make coffee paper filters because there was all sorts of like restrictions well, on things. Yeah. Right. So she just started making paper cartons. She like used what they had and made paper cartons. I don't know what they were doing with them, but she made them and it made money. So then 1919, when the war ended, her husband, Hugo, comes home, and they get right back to it. By uh, 1922, they were exporting... Oh, during this time, too, during World War One, she, like, was so successful with just the packaging, the paper, the paper carton, carton business. She moved into <laughs> out of the apartment and into a former locksmith's space. So she's, like, now moved into her first, like, kind of factory-type space. Huh. Yeah. 1919, uh, they're now exporting to Czechoslovakia and Switzerland. And so then, you know, the you know you're starting to make it when people want to start imitating you. So 1925, knockoffs of their their filters the and everything are showing up. Oh, so they're sure. like, we got to be a little more creative. We need to stand out and let our people, our customers know who is 
the real deal. Uh-huh. You know, that's when they came up with this bright red and green packaging. Mm. Oh my gosh. So yeah. like it's still today, a hundred years. They still are using the same color scheme packaging so that it stands out on the shelves. Funny. And it's funny because it's so noticeable. I always assumed that Melita was like a Brazilian company. Oh, Just, yeah. It seems it was so bright mm. and uh-huh. you know, green and red. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. No. Funny. Yeah. They just picked those colors because they stood out and, you know, they could people could easily identify them on the shelves. Crazy. Yeah, I know. So this is what, you know, we're like 15, 16 years on. 1929, they outgrew that locksmith shop. Um, and they had 55 employees by this time. Holy shit. Whoa. Yeah. So they moved to an old chocolate factory. And the, the city, Minden, where they moved their chocolate factory, they were like, look, we'll waive your taxes for five years. That shit still happens today. People complain about it, but I guess it's all right. Hmm. Which was fine because there was like an economic downturn in Germany, which is actually, you guys know that this economic downturn in Germany is like what led Hitler. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. We're right before World the, War II. After, yeah. after World War One, Treaty of Versailles really fucked the German people. So, yeah, because they wanted to stick them with the bill for World War One. Mm. Yeah. So, anyways, that's kind of what happened. That's how that's how World War Two got started. Eventually. Yeah. Well, she doesn't. It does not bother her. She like can't stop, won't stop. She's like, fuck it, economic turn, downturn. I'm gonna grow anyways. People um, still drink coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Coffee. Never. It's like the thing that people always want. So, uh, yeah, so the business just keeps growing. And eventually Melita's like, you know what? I'm tired. So she's like 1930. She decides to retire. She's been doing it for what now? 22 years. She's in her 50s. She's still young. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to retire. Well, you know, people didn't live as long. She yeah. lived for another 20 right. years. <laughs> she had 20 years of just like enjoying this thing that she built. That's great. It's really great. I'm really happy for her. So yeah. she transferred the operations to Hugo and her son, Horst. <laughs> so that was... Yeah. Well, he didn't do it for too much longer. So they named it Benson's son, um, which is cute. And then February 1932, Hugo is... I guess feeling a little jealous. He's like, I would like to retire too. <laughs> so he left it. He he left it to Willie and Horst, and so they're just running the business. It's the 30s, but you know they're young. They're in their 20s. They're energetic. They're about to get drafted into World War II. <laughs> well, they didn't. They luckily did mm. not get drafted. Well, they had to run the company. Right? Well, they're so. in their 30s by now, I guess. Actually, yeah. yeah, they did actually have to run the company. Yeah, yeah. So like we're in the 1930s. I mean, these kids were raised in the business. They were doing this since they were, like, five and eight years old. Pulling the wagon with their bike. Yeah. 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 So, like, they, I guess, have been involved in every step, every step of the way, every step of the growth. So they're totally ready for it, and they do a great job. So, um, I mean, I I think Hugo and Melita probably stayed connected. I know Melita really cared about her employees a lot. She, uh, this is... It's funny because this is pretty standard now, but it was pretty... Yeah, go ahead, Marcus. I'm almost afraid to ask, though, what side were they on in the war? Do they try to remain neutral? Well, we'll get to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't I mean, like the sound of that. It's, wow. not, it's not bad. I think, that they tried, uh, I think that they tried to remain neutral, but they were in Germany, and what are you going to do when fucking Hitler tells you to do something? Well, I mean, it's like Senka. You know, Senka was like, well, you know, they benefited from the Nazi German power, you know, the the, the decaf company, mm. but they had so many Jewish customers that they were like, they took an ad out saying, hey, we're that, that's not us, right? Mm-hmm. So... I was just curious. Well, so they were, um, they did not like willingly, they did, I don't think, as far as I could tell, like, I don't think they wanted to be involved in this Hitler shit at all. But when Hitler comes to you and says, hey, 
your business has the manufacturing capabilities that we need because what the sons were doing was they were like, okay, well, we've got this business going, like, let's expand into some other products. We're already doing coffee filters. Like, let's do some aluminum foil. Let's do paper mm. wrap. Let's do saran oh, wrap. Yeah. So they started oh, kind those of other consumer goods. Exactly. So they started expanding into some other kitchen areas. So they had this aluminum foil division. They had all this paper. They had bought a paper factory. Hitler's like, hey, we need your <laughs> aluminum factory to start manufacturing shit for the war effort. Mm. Uh-huh. And they're like, all right, well, I guess we got to. But after the war was over, they did contribute. There were funds set up for um, people who were put into forced labor by the Nazi regime, and they were contributing money to these funds to help these people who were affected by the war. So they, I don't think they were Nazis. I don't think they were Nazi sympathizers. They were definitely not, what was it, Dunkin' Donuts? Who fucking employed Nazi or employed? You're talking about It's jab. the other one, Krispy Kreme. Krispy yeah. Kreme? Yeah. They were not Krispy Kreme who like used forced labor to produce their products. After the war was over, the Allied forces did take over their factories for 12 years. Oh. It took them to get it back. So in those 12 years, they were kind of just operating where they could. So I'm not sure what that means. Huh. They have so much. The Melita company has so much information, so many details. And then like World War II hits and they're kind of <laughs> like, eh, oh, nothing to see here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty typical of companies that were involved, you know, yeah. in the on the wrong side of history. Right. But yeah. there's just, yeah, not a lot of information, I think, because Melita kind of flies under the radar a little bit, right? Right, right. But you would think... They and they're not proud of that part of their history, too, I'm sure. It's like, hey, and this is the, you know, this is our history. We were such fine uh, aluminum manufacturers for the... For the, the <laughs> Third the, Reich. You know, the Third Reich, exactly. Yeah. Our shipment into airplanes, you know? It's like, maybe no, you know? Here's yeah. us in front of a Nazi plane, you know? The swastika plane. That's ours, you know? You don't... You, you probably don't want to put that on your history, so it makes sense. And then, you know, they're... You know, it sounds like they are trying to uh, make good on the history so you know yeah i mean i don't know i can't really say it's i they're a pretty huge company in europe if they were really strong nazi sympathizers maybe there would have been more information that i could have dug up i don't know like but i didn't go looking at like german newspapers or anything you know (laughs) i looked at like english resources (laughs) so who knows what's out there um i did my best could not find the dirt except for they were big enough to be to, to, to have their factories appropriated for the war effort. Yes, exactly. Whether they wanted that to be or not. Right. I mean, to me, they seem like fucking capitalists. So I think that if they... And they held out as long as they could. Like, the German government didn't come in and, like, force them to manufacture stuff to, like, 1942. Oh, so they like were like... The yeah. They were going... They were, like, trying to mind their own business as much as they could and just be capitalists as long as they could. It doesn't seem like they were on the Nazi bandwagon. They were not, like, there from the get-go. The whole time, like, they're already kind of moving outside. They're selling to Switzerland. They're selling to Czechoslovakia. They're already reaching out outside of Germany. So to me, that kind of says that, you know... Yeah, it's a global company. Right. They're already trying to... They're. It sounds like they're just trying to do their business thing. Maybe not be politically involved. 
You started to say something about how Melita was concerned about her employees. Oh, how did I? I don't know how I got. To, maybe it was Nazis. Germany. Nazis yeah. got me distracted. <laughs> it's always. Um, yeah. So the so Melita was super concerned about her employees. She did things that were really innovative at the time, like giving holiday bonuses. Hmm. She like I guess the standard vacation time was six days per year. She increased that to 15 days hot damn Uh holiday she um also like reduced the work week to five days i don't know what the standard was at the time but seven probably Uh, probably only six because oh yeah you need the day of rest six yeah the seven day for god yes uh so that's yeah so she was always concerned that her employees were treated well that's actually something that um like i looked up like Glassdoor and like what people think of the company. People love the company. People work oh, at the still. company forever. They have like a like really strong um I don't want to say they don't have like one of those fake corporate cultures. I think they have just a like a respectful corporate culture that just respects people, respects their time. I guess they pay well. They have some benefits like vacation paid vacations for 1k I mean, standard stuff, but 15 days of vacation even by today's standards, is like yeah. not yeah, a that's common true. thing, right? right? Who's right. giving three weeks paid vacation now? Yeah. And she's doing that in like 1910 or whatever. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I guess Europe does it, but in the U.S. I mean, it sounds like they thing. weren't even doing that in Europe at the time. It sounds like that was pretty innovative for the time then. It's very cool. But yeah, they definitely don't necessarily do that in the U.S., uh, especially for people maybe in manufacturing, you know? But yeah, even nowadays, like it, I was looking at, at Melita North America. They have... There was a guy who was interviewed had in 2014, so I don't know if he's still at the company now. Had been at the company for 47 years. <laughs> Holy His moly. entire life since he was like 20. <laughs> wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. A good employer. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. That's my plan with Modest Coffee. 47 years. Oh. We're holding you to it. Four down, 43 to go. There you go. (laughs) Amazing. Steph is going to be such a cute old lady. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The nice thing is that maybe you'll, like, be, like, old lady stooped over enough that it won't be a trouble (sighs) to put the bag under the bagging machine. The bagging machine is finally going to be the right height once my osteoporosis (laughs) really kicks in. Right. That's great. Thanks for not fixing that, Marcus. That's planning ahead. That's it. We don't want you having to, like, reach up. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't go where the puck is. You know where the puck is going. Okay. <laughs> I'm the puck in yeah. this situation. Or <laughs> you're back. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so the uh so yeah, Melita was super into it. Uh, so 1939, uh, the brothers, they bought uh, they had bought a pa- paper factory to expand their paper making. Are they still a family business? Family yeah, owned? They're still a family business. Fourth generation now. Fucking dope. <gasps> cool. Melita's great-grandson is running the company. Aww. Love that. They didn't even get their first like chief person into the company until 2011. <gasps> it was just family all, until 2011? At the top, yeah. It was all family until 2011. At least for the Melita group, like the That's main great. Melita so like group a, in Europe. Like family dynasty. It's like you're born. <laughs> here's what you will be doing. Yes. You were born into this. This... This is like Simba. All of the land that you see <laughs> is yours. Well, yeah. So they were the brothers were working together as Willie and Horse. They were like took over the company in 1932 together. 
Um, eventually, so after they bought that paper factory, they decided to split up, um, but that wasn't until 1954. So after the war, things are really taking off. The, um, Willie goes, he takes the paper company and kind of manages the paper division. Horse takes Melita. Horse is a little bit though of like a crazy guy. He's like, I want to fucking do it all. He's like, I want to be in every aspect. And he goes kind of like, he goes a little wild with, uh, the businesses. Amazing. He's like, I want to be in every aspect of people's homes. So they got the saran wrap style, like the plastic film. They've got that. They got the paper. They got the aluminum foil. They add vacuum bags. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Toilet paper? um, Not as far as I could tell, but probably. I didn't look into all of them. There's so many. He like, they also started doing like some housewares. He's like, I want to be making plates and shit. So like, he's like looking around, buying up these small companies and putting them under the Melita name eventually it like got to be a little like wild so um (laughs) it was like a little bit much so in the 80s he ended up uh kind of just like making each thing like its own thing so they had like melita for the coffee there's another one called toppets that was like the food wrapping shit like they've got like ziploc style bags and things like that these are still companies that are you can go to a german or like a european grocery store these are the brands you're gonna find yeah Hmm. um cool yeah, and they also have, like, it's called Swirl. That's their vacuum bags. There's another one, Celia for tea. Acclimat was, like, home goods, like, air purifiers and shit. It was basically, like, if it goes in your house, Horst wanted a piece of that pie. Nice. <laughs> he did let some things go because he got a little wild. He was, like, trying to get into food and, like, jelly and shit. Like, it was too much. Smuckers. Yeah. yeah right. Um, they, had, like, one division, like, merged with dow chemical i can't remember which one that was but you know like they they just were like into all of it um they've got their but like coffee has always kind of been the main thing it's been like the bread and butter they had like their they've had various different um you know manual pour over systems they also were one of the first people to invent a automatic coffee brewer so like in the 1950s oh shit the first one it was there's a company called wigomat Vigo Mott. That's probably how you pronounce it. Uh, by a guy named Gottlob Wiedmann. And he was like the one who invented this whole thing, the automatic brewer with You said that filter. really well, by the way. I, I was really trying. Know. I was like channeling <laughs> all the Waldorf. Um, but so then like early 1960s, Melita actually partnered with the guy who invented the automatic brewer and they came out with um, their own called the MA120. Dang. I'd love to get my hands on one of those. It's really sure. cool looking. It kind of looks like a Technoborm actually, how the Technoborm has that thin metal that comes out. I actually yeah. put a picture. I should show you guys. It's pretty cool. Um this is the the very first one from Melita. While well, Steph finds her glasses. <laughs> Sorry. See it? How it kind of oh, looks like a technoborm? Yeah, it does look like, like that. Like super simplistic. It's very um like slim, very like simple looking. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, basically it just looks like yeah. a regular Melita cone on top. Uh-huh. It even has a little uh-huh. handle on it, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's like it's so crazy to me that here's this company and this woman. And her sons, who invented the pour-over that everybody knows and loves, all traces back to this woman, automatic coffee brewer, they were the first ones to make it widely marketable. Wow. I mean, Mr. Coffee gets all the all the glory, but yeah. that didn't even come along till the 70s. Whoa, huh. 20 years. Well, like 10, and this was like the... Oh, this was 60s. Okay. Yeah, so the very first automatic brewer was late 50s or like 1954, and then this one came out in 1962. That's awesome. And then, yeah, 10 years later before Mr. Coffee even came along. Hmm. 
So, yeah, it all we can trace this all back to Melita. Do and they then still you make had those? me get which which is amazing. You had me get actual Melita branded coffee. Yeah, so we're going to get too. into that next now. Oh, crazy. Really? Yeah, so Melita, you know, they're kind of like so Horse, like I said, he's like a mad businessman. He's like uh like I'm going to take over the world. Mm-hmm. So they went along and in in 19 in the 1960s yeah, so the 1960s, they went ahead and expanded into South America because they wanted to, they started roasting, well, they started roasting coffee in Germany. Well, they wanted to expand the coffee roasting, so they went to Brazil because that's where you're growing coffee. The so they are, opened yeah. up South American division in South America <laughs> and Brazil. They also opened up in the United States at the same time, Melita, North America. So Melita North America operates a little bit independently. It almost seems like a franchise where they license all of the Melita name and the all the branding, but they work super closely with the Melita group in Europe. But Melita North America kind of runs independently. Like they have their own CEO and like American people and everything. Sounds like a tax shell game thing. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it is. I think it's I think that they are actually doing things above board yeah. and it's just like it's just another division. Oh, okay. And that's actually when I worked at Lush, that's how Lush is too. So Lush in the UK is like its own thing. Lush North America, completely different company, but they just license everything from Lush in the UK. Yeah. And if you're yeah. the leadership at the top, like just love to love to get those checks. <laughs> From, sure. like the the Hell parent yeah. company right? yeah they're just gonna but they still work closely together oh, course, because they right. want to protect the brand and yeah. everything yeah um but yeah so then uh yeah like i said 80s everything got out of control melita usa that's kind of like the next thing that we'll focus on because like i said it's kind of its own company it's been around for quite a while. Uh, they've got a headquarters in Clearwater, Florida. That's where they make all of the filters that you find in the United States. And I was like, oh. oh they're manufacturing them here, stateside? Yeah. That's oh, great. They damn. manufacture them all in oh, Florida. So the ones in Europe, I think, are now manufactured in China. They first moved to Portugal. Now I think they're in China. As far as I can tell, yeah, the ones in the United States, Clearwater, Florida, that's where they also have all their corporate offices. All the finance people are there. Then for this episode, uh, I was like, surely Melita's probably not roasting their own coffee. Right. right. No so way. for this episode, it's yesterday. I'm like, oh, shit. We got to get <laughs> coffee for this episode. And then I was like, okay, well, let me first find out really quick who's roasting Melita's coffee. Because then we could just go maybe buy one of their bags. Right. And then kind of talk about them a little bit and we'll try that. Well, no. Come to find out, Melita roasts their own fucking coffee. They are roasting it in the United States in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. They have a whole roasting operation there, too. Huh. Melita USA, same thing. Amazing corporate culture. People are working there forever. Um, The CEO, his name is Marty Miller. He has been uh, the CEO since 2000. Oh, wow. And Marty, he, like, took over. He's like, I'm going to make this company, like, good, profitable. Like, what do we need to do? So he, uh, like... On their website, he actually has a, like, Ask, like, Marty page. Ask Marty? <laughs> because he's also always dreamed of being an advice columnist. And his yeah. parents forced him into going to business school. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, he's like, hey, I'm Marty. I want to hear from you. You tell me what you want. 
tell me anything. That This form is going to go directly to my inbox. I would like banana-flavored coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right into Marty and see what he says. He wants to hear from you directly. Aww. It's really sweet. So like, nice. not many CEOs are like, you know what? Come find me. What do the peasants think? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like my cleaning lady who always has, like, suggestions whether or not, like, I want them. Yes. And so I started asking her to write them down and put them in the suggestion box. And then every Wait. time she comes to our house, I have her clean out the suggestion box. <laughs> Uh, Marcus loves that joke. <laughs> I was excited that there was a suggestion box at work, but it's just here. <laughs> yeah. it's... Marcus loves that joke. He wrote that one a while ago. He's been hanging on. He finally found a place for it. Uh, um, yeah, so you yeah. can put any of your suggestions in that box. For just her to clean For it. her to clean it. <laughs> Anyway, so moving along, I hope Marty's not cleaning them out. He says he even she says immediately clicks delete. <laughs> <laughs> Marty's like, tell me what you want. <laughs> this company actually, though, is amazingly transparent. They have so there's Melita Group in Europe. There's other like Melita websites, Melita USA. Every single one is filled with an overwhelming amount of information about the company. It's actually pretty cool. Love like that. they have like timelines and like detailed like so much information it's great they want you to know everything they want to know you to know about their sourcing they want you to know about their roasting they want to let you know what equipment they're using they want to let you know like everything you want to know about this company you can find out that's great they're super transparent um so yeah so it's really helpful if you're doing a podcast <laughs> very amazing it was great all i had to do was like organize the information i didn't even have to do any digging it was great love it they even have a location in elgin illinois Oh, they have like a professional uh, brewing division. Like say you want like an automatic coffee maker for your office or hotel where it makes like lattes and shit. Anybody who wants a good company, go locally. Go check them out. Fox Valley. You know, they know what's up. Check them out in in Elgin, (laughs) Illinois. You could be a repair tech. You could be a sales guy. Like go, go get it. Oh, maybe you should get a job there. I'll show up. They're actually, if you want to move to New Jersey, do a survey. (laughs) They're hiring right now for roast in their roastery. Oh damn! Yeah, dude, I'll bet you they would. They can afford to pay me. Mm, Probably. (laughs) I mean, all the glass door things said that they pay well. Nice. Mm. Yeah, but they're understaffed, so they expect you to work more hours. But they're going to pay you for them. That's fine. Hmm. It's kind of nice. Uh, yeah, so like I said, people work at this place forever. Uh, Jeff Bridges, who's the vice president of operations. The actor? Mm, I wish. <laughs> no. But he's been with the company for 30 years. Oh. You got Marty. He's been there for CEO for 23 and probably worked there before that. Then there's Vinny Tagliaferro. He's the director of coffee. He's been there since 2007. Crazy. Um, and like I said, Ron Clark, oldest employee and as of nine years ago, had been there 47 years. Wow. Crazy. That's amazing. Like I said, they do all of their roasting in New Jersey. Yeah, talk about this coffee, because I'm looking at the bag right now. Gorgeous packaging. It's called European Indulgence. Ooh. Um, so they are huge. Had no fucking idea they're huge, but it, I think they sell locally in stores out in the East Coast. Oh, okay. So they're more like a regional East Coast brand. Crazy. They're at ShopRite. Wegmans, Acme. Dang. You know who else is going to be selling at Acme? Well, there's two different Acmes, but we are going to be in one of them, Acme of Ohio. 
Oh, well, they're, I don't know which Acme they're in. Yeah. I didn't Google it. There's like the Acme, there's like the other 160 stores that were bought by Albertsons, I think. Okay, well, they're probably in that Acme because probably. they're rushing enough coffee to support that. It's a big boy. Um, but they still try to be specialty about it. Vinny, I read an article with him. He says about 70% of the coffee that they buy comes from farms that are under 10 acres. Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. And their fucking coffee roaster gave me major anxiety. How big? fucking huge they have they are roasting on a probat r series do you have you ever even heard of the r series is that the um the centrifugal no it's still like a drop like a typical drum roaster 400 kilos it roasts 880 pounds per batch oh my god they got that big oh they get fucking crazy huge like if you go on probat's website and look at this r series and just like the schematic of it and how it goes together. I was like, I am about to faint right now. My anxiety levels are so high. There's a picture. You can find pictures of them. Even on like the Melita USA website, there's like a picture of their roaster next to like some coffee bags. It's like monstrous. Like how big must it be? That would be seven or eight bags that you could roast like four humans inside of it. No way. I Five mean, I would say probably humans? seven humans. Oh, my gosh. You're going to throw seven humans in there. That's a lot of... That's a big space. That's fucking huge. That's All a, just tumbling around like a, a dryer? spaceship. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. You should see it. It's fucking so scary. Oh, my gosh. I'm just imagining like a chaff fire. They... It says... It even says like on ProBat's website, they're like, look, we got like... This thing's got like fire safe things. Like if there's a fire where it's like going to be fine. You like don't worry. You have to climb inside of it to... to uh, to lubricate it, probably. Oh my God! Imagine what could get chopped off. Oh goodness. Oh Jesus. Oh mama. It's too big. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd rather just have eight. Eight yeah. one hundred pound roasters. Goodness. I don't need one big guy. I just want eight, eight little guys. Eight times larger than the Something. sixty kilo coffee roaster Oof. that we have. Eight times larger. Wow. That would be terrifying. I mean, that's like bigger than the room that we're in. Crazy. Terrifying. Yeah. It's gigantic. Amazing. I just want to like how tall. Would it's it got to be? be at least two stories. It would have to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a drum style. It's not a... It's a drum not style. Not a dryer st- Oh, my God. Drum style, yeah. It's a big boy. Crazy. It's just a giant fucking big boy. And you've got, like, huge tubes and and all of this. It's, it's a factory. It's, it's a monster. A, it's a, yeah. They're fat. They're fa- it's like 100,000 square feet roasting facility. Because wow. they're also grinding. Jesus. They're roasting. They're grinding. They're bagging. Form- they're doing it all there. They offer toll roasting services on their website. Um, They are organic, kosher, fair trade, and Rainforest Alliance certified. So if you want any of those things, they can do it in their plant for you. There you go. Which is cool. Uh, They do ground. They do whole bean. They do frack packs. They'll do cold brew. Whatever you want. They got it for you. And they're a 100,000 square foot facility. They also have a commitment to sustainability. It's like their company ethos is if it's not sustainable, they're, they're not doing it. If they can't do it sustainably. This is interesting about their their filters. They're manufactured using um, FSC certified pulp, which sounds like forest Oh, that's the forestry. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also have a partnership with American Forest and have planted over 600,000 trees. Yeah. Uh, their Melita cone filters are compostable. All of their filters, even the white ones, which is interesting, are chlorine and bleach-free. Oh. Yeah, they bleach them using the, an oxygen process. Oh. And they, they're they like, there's no, literally no difference between the white and the 
Amazing. Brown, which is yeah. cool. And then, you know, we all know they have the bamboo filters. Those are 40% uh, bamboo. And their packaging is recycled. Paperboard. Hmm. Dope. So, like, it just, to me, it seems like they're this huge, gigantic, global company. But it's like they've really tried hard to stay true to their values. Um, creating, like, a like family values company. They want it to be someplace. Like... When I was doing it, reading this interview with Vinny, he was like, oh, yeah, I was talking to Marty on the phone the other day. So it's like, <laughs> there's Marty. He's out there. He's, like, talking to his people. <laughs> they are globally $1.7 billion in sales every year. Wow. Yeah, and they employ, like, 5,800 people globally. Is that just the U.S. branch or that's All total? Global, okay. yeah. Wow. So they're huge. They're a way huger company than I thought. Probably because they just don't have the visibility in our area that they do other places. Like I said, this co- their coffee, ground, whole bean sold more out east. We do not have that luxury of having Melita on our shelves. So we had to get... Yeah, what the fuck is this? What is this like... Uh... So we did our best. <laughs> yeah. We did the best we could. Um, if you want to buy Melita coffee around us... You can't. I was <laughs> <laughs> I was certain that at least Woodman's would have it, but no, they didn't. And so we went on a search. Like I said, I was hoping that it was roasted by another company and that we could just go buy the other company's right. coffee. But no, they're roasting it themselves, so we had to get Melita. And the only thing we could find was at our local Walmart, they have these weird pucks. They're like... <laughs> <laughs> they, no. It's like a bag full of coffee. Yeah, it's like a tea bag, but it's like it's like the kind that go uh, like at a hotel where they brews like in a. It's like a coffee and filter all pod all in one, but not like a K cup. It's like a. It's like you but know. Wait, like, I figured the coffee's the yeah, same. It's still a coffee in there. What difference yeah. does it make? How do, are you supposed to brew it? So there's like it says that it's for a specific type of coffee brewer called a Senseo in Hamilton Beach Pod Coffee Makers. We don't have that pod coffee maker. We only bought it for the coffee. That's why I was like, we could just rip these open gotcha. and pour it into the filter and then brew it the way we're supposed to brew it. As a Because this is going to be the same yeah. whether we bought a bag of ground. We just happen to end up with all these extra pods. How's yeah. it smell? What's the olfactory Yeah, here's reveal? the olfactory reveal. Oh, man. So, yeah, Melita, it sounds like a great company. It sounds like they're trying to do what they can as a major, gigantic global company. Um, they're keeping it in the family. As much as they can. Like I said, they didn't hire their first. It took them 100 years to hire outside of the family, basically. <laughs> well, shall we brew some coffee? <gasps> Let's do it. Modest Coffee roasts the highest quality single origin coffees without the snobbery. They take the guesswork out of buying specialty coffee by carefully curating green coffees and sorting them to one of their tiers based on cupping score, price, flavor notes, and roast level. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Pip pip cheerio! And we're back, and I see Jenny is brewing. Brewing coffee the brewing way Melita coffee. intended it. A little pour over, a little hot water. Yep. I see the, uh, the brewer you're using a vintage brewer. Looks like the plastic is 100% BPA. Hmm. Could be. Um, it's all clear, all clear, hard plastic. But like with a brownish tinge to indicate it's from 1978. Definitely. Very cool. They did the flat pour over for a long time, for like 30 years. It wasn't until 1937 that they introduced the cone shape oh. that we all know 
uh, pour overs to be now. And mm -hmm. I think there's not really that many that do the flat shape anymore. Um, like we were talking about, there's the Vietnamese thin, uh, that's a flat shape, but that doesn't have a filter. There's the arrow press, but that's meant to be pressed through. Yeah. And, and the then Kalita. the Kalita wave, that's yeah. a flat. Then some of the automatic brewers have that flat bottom basket as yes. well. The original Melita was more of like an arrow press style filter, just over those bottom holes. The holes were kind of big too. They were probably like a good quarter inch of a hole. Oh, that was to encourage dripping right, through exactly. the paper. Right, exactly. Because yeah. of like its of its flat shape, it had these bigger holes. Here, I can oh, show you guys if you want to look. That's really cool. You guys couldn't get your hands on a brass one, huh? Oh, oh man, that would be cool. Yeah. So it's got it, and that under that handle underneath is actually the cup. So it would drip. It was like a all in one unit: the cup and the filter. So and cool. Melita is still putting out new products today, and as a matter of fact, like the ceramic pour over cones that they make are are still one of my favorites mm -hmm. because they are um the circle or the hole for the dripping is is larger and it's more it's like more forgiving on the technique it just sort of regulates itself on how much it drips out so i really like them they're 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 really forgiving i'm holding on up a one right now and one thing that i like about um so the Melita, the shape the these ridges on the inside are really important too because it helps like let some air in there so if like if it were smooth like some pour overs it are smooth and then the filter sticks to it and then it's like you can't have like the air water it creates like a suction where mm. the coffee can't quite get through and it goes slower when it's going through so these um ridges help help make it so that there is no suction interesting so there's like a little bit of science there too huh. which is Kind of an interesting thing. So yeah, we have, I love Melita. This one that we're brewing on, I found at a thrift store. It's just a vintage glass pot and then the the plastic cone on top. It's a big brewer. It's a, it takes a number six filter, which means that it'll brew 12 cups of coffee. 12 small, technically 12 small cups, but you know, probably six regular Six cups. regular, yeah. like our standard. But for them, like six to eight ounces, we've seen this before on coffee makers and stuff. Like the standard was six to eight ounces at another point in time. Mm -hmm. We now think of like 12 to 16 <laughs> as the standard. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I make a pour over every morning with a ceramic. Melita, the ceramic Melita. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yep, every day. I started that because I had a series of bad luck with like Mr. Coffee style coffee pots. They kept breaking. And then I decided to try out a French press. And I didn't really like that. I don't like the um, uh, gift in the bottom bottom of the cup with those. And I also broke it like a weekend. Yeah. And I huh. just like slammed yeah. it against the side of the sink. So I was like, I need something that is never going to fucking break. And I picked up a plastic Melita cone. And the coffee is so good. I just yeah. think it tastes better than any other method. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it's great. I think um, the Melita and then the Bee House coffee brewer, mm -hmm. that one's a Japanese company called Zero Japan. Those two are my favorite. They're very similar in shape, very similar in design. Um, okay. So the problem with the Bee House, if you're an American, is that if you are brewing like a 12 ounce, I like, I don't have a huge 16 ounce mug of coffee, but I do like a mug that's a little bit bigger than the standard. And that tiny little... The bee house is smaller. It yeah. doesn't fit on top of the mug. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Melita, it's great. I like, I have right here, we have in our house, we have a plastic one somewhere. The plastic one is great for travel, especially because it's unbreakable. Yeah, indestructible. So back in the 70s, I think it was, they came out with this whole colored line, which I have, and there's going to be a picture on social media. I have the light pink one. They came out with a series of these in like pink, blue, I think in yellow as well, which they're just cute. They're, they're really so cute. Pretty. You yeah. like brew it through your ceramic filter on top. It's a two, a number two filter into this pot. And then you have a little lid. We also have like this other one that they came out with. It almost has like, it's a ceramic, but it has almost like a metallic type finish to it. Yeah. It's more like hand crafted. It's not it's not like perfectly cylindrical like a machine. It looks, it has it. a handcrafted look. I think it's yeah. like, I, don't, I think it's probably still made on a I'm machine, sure it but it has that look. Yeah. Um, and then you can, this, I started, I was like, I got to find an, M, an MA120, like the OG original Melita automatic brewer. Well, I couldn't find that, but if you go on eBay, you can find, this is kind of cool. They have these like travel kits. It's like a travel coffee automatic coffee brewing kit where it comes in a fun bag it comes with a little one cup brewer it kind of looks like the technovorm one cup brewers that are out there but it's a small little one cup tiny brewer and it even comes with like little canisters for your coffee and your cream and your sugar it's the cutest thing i have to buy one (laughs) there's a lot of them on ebay if you're interested so cute you know what I just bought? We're taking a trip soon. And in preparation, I bought two pour-over cones that are collapsible. Oh, oh yeah. I've seen those. Uh-huh. I, I think, think we, I have one. Maybe it's in the RV. Yeah, even. those are great. Very cool. I tested one out. It seemed to work Did just it work? fine. Yeah. Easy. So let's talk about this coffee. Wait, uh, hang on. I got to show you guys really I'm quickly. Because this, I'm like, I am fucking, I'm so obsessed. I got to buy this. Look at this. How cute. And so you would take your little travel bag of coffee and plug it in at your hotel or wherever you are. I do that anyways. All right. It's super cute, but like there's your carry-on. Like right. just Not coffee. practical at all. I'm thinking right. it's for like people who are in Europe traveling by train. Oh, okay. that's very you know? romantic. Sure. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of, that's where my mind went because I don't like flying on airplanes. But it's so cute. I love it. I have to buy it. So let's do an olfactory reveal, shall we? Wait, wait, wait. I just have to show you this one, too, (laughs) because I'm obsessed. Marcus is This one comes with a little little glass (laughs) carafe instead of plastic. It's so cool. I'm, like, obsessed with Melita. I love the fact that that this thing that is a global way of drinking coffee, so fucking common, it is, like, um, was just invented by this woman. And I feel like she doesn't get enough credit out there. Oh, wait. Yeah. I just... I now just... there's whole barista comp- pour-over competition. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's such a thing now. I just put this together. It's vintage, and it's only $25 for this whole setup. Yeah. This is actually really cute. This you is do why have I'm to like, buy I this. have to buy it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't wait till you buy this. It's so With, cute. It, like a leather bag. It hmm. looks nylon. It's probably nylon. Very cool. So, olfactory reveal. Let's talk about the coffee. European <laughs> indulgence. Why we're here. This is the name of the game. <laughs> Stuff's going to walk us through is how this coffee goes. We smell it first. We tell you what we think about it. We drink it. It's funny that Marcus said you're like going to tell us, but he's just telling us first what you're about to tell yeah. us. Yeah. Actually, I'm just going to tell you. Do it. Right. Tell us. We drink it black. We tell you whether or not we like it. Then, if we can't, we add stuff to it. Cream, sugar, whatever. We get there. And then... The very pinnacle of <laughs> no bad reviews 
is uh, if we need to, we hit it with a little whiskey, uh, and then we keep drinking it till it tastes not bad. Yeah. So my I did not look into really where their coffees are coming from specifically. Um, I'm assuming a lot of their coffee comes out of Brazil. Still. Still, because they have a division. They set up a whole division in Brazil. So this smells like your typical macro roaster. When you're roasting 800 pounds of coffee at a time, you've got two settings. You've got dark and darker. We've talked about this because there's just so much thermal energy going into it and they're roasting coffee so fast it's hard to really stylize it and put your mark on it. You're just kind of, you know, operating a machine at that point. Um, this coffee kind of smells like a big macro, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. I bet it is. He said that they roast 880 pounds in 15 minutes, yep. and the coffee beans get up to 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit. What? Okay. Yeah. So that's 1,100 degrees? That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's hot. Yeah. Pretty hot. Well, you figure we're roasting... Like when we're doing our measurements, that's just on the temperature inside the drum. Mm-hmm. Does the drum get up to 1,100 degrees? Not even close. Yeah. So how does the beans, is that that thermal energy that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, when you're putting the beans act like little little heat sinks and they absorb all this energy until they can't absorb anymore and then they release it. And then so when you've got that much kind of thermal energy going in and they release it, you're, you, the beans start roasting themselves. And also at that temperature at 800 pounds... When it comes out, the beans are also, there's so much thermal energy when it's done roasting, they can't cool off on their own fast enough in the cooling tray, so they quench it with water. They actually mm. hit the, 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 the cooling beans with water to help, and the evaporation of the water helps cool it off faster so that the <laughs> beans don't roast. Wow. So again, in my opinion, you're sort of like, you're introducing water which kind of like could potentially affect the end flavor in the cup Mm -hmm. because you're kind of extracting a little bit when you're immediately quenching it i'm not entirely certain if the probat because i was wondering about the water quenching to see if this was cooled by water quenching it's fine it happens it's an industry practice when it's so big because there's so much thermal energy so anyways let's go ahead and try this coffee oh shit where's our mugs oh all right all right we're back so all right so it smells smelled just smells like coffee smells like coffee so here's the thing it seems like they really do like i know that they're gigantic scale but it does like in this article i read with Vinny the roaster or the head roaster he really does seem to be really into coffee he seems to be really into like the roasting he seems to be into the farms he seems to be into the like trying to do his best on like a good like like millions of pounds a year scale right you know like yeah there's only so much you can do but he did not he was and he was not one of those guys who was like fuck it you know just throw the coffee and bring it out he was really excited and passionate about coffee and excited and passionate about what they were doing yeah um so i i recognize that they are gigantic macro roaster but i think it's kind of cool that he still really cares yeah so you know there's only so much you can do though you know and can't fault them for that, mm-hmm. right? And they're doing a lot of a lot of good. I mean, those five thousand employees are happy. That's globally too, though. Globally. But they've got all those other products as well. Um, is this particular coffee anything special as far as organic, fair trade, Rainforest Alliance, blah blah? No, but I did read that they have a rabbi who comes by every couple of weeks to double check to make sure they're still doing kosher shit. They're still kosher. <laughs> they're still kosher. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Got a rabbi on payroll. 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> right. How do you how do you score that rabbi job where you don't have to like write something and read it out loud every week? You just go from like business to business and do your little spiel over the giant vat of coffee or it's whatever. Gotta, yeah, it's got to be. You know, that's 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 the cush rabbi job, <laughs> right? Like a retired rabbi. You know, no longer running a church. So yeah, you know, this is just the European indulgence. Doesn't say where it's from specifically. Yeah, Steph. How do you feel that's about it? That's a look. I just took the tiniest sip and it was um, just a hint of bitterness. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's strong. Bitter's a desirable characteristic to some people. It's people a, really oh, like that. I, I don't, oh boy. I'm going to have you know? to do something to this coffee. It's it's very bitter, right? I and think it's a not, it's, it's an instant, you know, maybe we could get to not bad with a little cream. And what else is going on? Like some acidity? Yeah. It's just very, it's very intense. I love I feel tobacco. Like this is very intense. Um, you know, this reminds me like coffee and a cigarette, you know, this is that kind of. You don't of, need the cigarette. Yeah. You got the flavors right. of the cigarette right there in your cup <laughs> I, of coffee. And I love that. 18, man, coffee and a cigarette. That mm. was breakfast. That was were so good. I do miss coffee and a cigarette and fitting oh. into a size four. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this brings me right back. So I kind of love that. Okay, that's a positive. Yep. It's not terrible. It's um, cooling slightly, and I feel like it's helping, or maybe I'm just, I keep sipping and I'm getting used to it. Uh, yeah, it's I feel not like, terrible. I feel like the more sips I take, the less bitter it gets. Maybe I just need to get used to it. I'm having a... Add something to it. Yeah, I'm going to add a, I'm gonna add a little... I'm going to add a little zhuzh. I'm going to zhuzh it up. Zhuzh it up. What are you, where are you starting? Can you hand it here? Are you getting some stuff? I know that you're uh, morally opposed to milk, but. Yeah, I might pass on the milk and just go straight to the whiskey. Yeah. I'll do the milk for us. I'll try yeah, the milky version. The milk. I feel like I, um, I like the whiskey better without the milk. Mm, that makes sense. So I'm just going to go straight there. Okay. How is it with the milk? Yeah, okay. No, I don't think it's much of a difference. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, hmm. I almost. I like. I like when milk kind of softens the coffee, and I feel like this is. Um, you gotta make it's yeah. no bad reviews, Marcus. Okay. Uh, He's giving a bad review to the milk, not the coffee. I think it's all <laughs> the the milk's problem. This coffee, I'm just you know, it's too. Um, this coffee's strong. Look, this is what I'm gonna you say know? about it. We've had a lot of like uh, giant coffee roasters. I don't. I don't know if we can confirm that we've had one that's been nearly a thousand pounds per batch. Yeah. <laughs> so putting that into perspective, I actually think it's better than some of the other ones that we've had mm. uh, that were roasted on smaller roasters. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> the whiskey did it. Man, that's so good. That uncle, uncle nearest. Really, they need to be a sponsor. <laughs> um, can you, Let I me mean, see. Throw I had... any coffee at this, any whiskey. It, this whiskey just fixes. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's tasty. Um, it helps. It helps mellow it out. <laughs> oh, they are roasting 10 million pounds of coffee per year. Fuck. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of fucking coffee. Right. That's almost a m- million pounds a week. How is that possible? I mean, a million pounds a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 250,000 pounds 
per week? There's 24 hours in a day, man. They got they, that shit running. They did say that the coffee roastery is going 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah. really? 24 7, the coffee roastery is in operation. That's how. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Can you know, we could do that. We, we have done that. We have done that. Close to that. Fucking A. Not that. That was the worst six weeks of my life. <laughs> God. Yeah, but that, they're seeking coffee roasters, and that's probably why. Uh-huh. Oh, graveyard shift, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no good. I yeah, love they're the doing, whiskey wait. with this though, because it's like buttery. No, let with me the just whiskey, or with the milk and the whiskey. Let me just put mm. this in perspective though. Like this giant roaster, they're doing two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week. That is only three hundred batches. Uh huh. Right. I don't. And it's only fifteen me. minutes a batch divided by seven. Forty batches a day. You know. Equals that divided by... That's 10 hours. That's only 10 hours. So much fucking coffee. 10 hours a day. Right. Why do they need to be running 24-7? Right. You know, packaging. Packaging and mm. shit, too. Right. So they can, like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like, that's how big their fucking coffee roaster is, <laughs> is that they can pretty much easily do 250,000 pounds per week. a week. <laughs> yeah. My mind is fucking blown right now. So anyways, putting it on that perspective, this is better than Honestly, other coffees we've had for sure. And how many coffees, uh, how many bags or pods are left? Because I spent $4 on this coffee too. Well, so we got three cups of coffee for four bucks. we're supposed to get 18 cups of coffee total. That's true. If we use the right pod brewing. And volume. So right. it would be like nine 12 ounce cups. Okay. So the funny thing is, is that each one of those pods only had like seven grams in it. Yes. That's enough for like a six ounce cup of coffee. Right. Right. So doing the math, right? We end up with roughly nine cups of coffee um, or the way that we brew it. We'll end up with six cups of coffee. um, (laughs) Still not bad for four For four bucks. Right. Exactly. Not bad. If you got four bucks to burn, you know, um, I think... uh, uh, there's worse ways that you could do it. And thinking of all things considered, they're trying to be sustainable. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to support farmers. They're trying to, they're doing what they can on a massive fucking scale. So who, who is this coffee for? I think it's for Vinny at the, at the <laughs> coffee roastery for sure. Vinny's really into it. Vinny's into it. I feel like this coffee needs a biscotti. Or a biscotto. Uh, maybe a, some sweetness is the If I was dipping, like, I feel like this would taste good on a cookie. Mm. I put, a, like, a fair amount of whiskey in mine, mm-hmm. um, and I love it. Okay. I really like this So this is now. for the person who's woken up hungover and needs <laughs> to uh, oh, do a hair of the dog. Were you hungover today, Marcus? No. Actually, this is, you know, been Just going somebody who likes to wake up drinking. Sober May. Will you hand me the... Somebody... Oh no, we ruined your sober May. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, I I got the idea for sober May on the 18th. So And we've already ruined it. <laughs> it lasted like a week. But it was a great week. I feel so healthy. It's been a self-care week. You know, it's been great. I mean, I suppose if you're drinking Uncle Nearest though. Yeah. Maybe it's acceptable. You're not really drinking. You're mostly um, it's mostly coffee. And it's like, uh, you know, it's heritage, whatever, yeah. a heritage thing. No. Um, I think I figured out who this coffee is for. Who? The traditionalist. 
<laughs> you know, you like your traditional coffee. You like your coffee to taste like coffee. Your alcohol tastes like alcohol. You, you know like, what I'm getting right now? I'm getting like chock full of nuts vibes. <gasps> That's so funny. I was just thinking of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you like something familiar. This is for familiar. your classic New Yorker. Right. If you like chock full of nuts, you're going to like Melita. If you don't like change, if you're resistant to change, mm-hmm. this is this is it. If you're in 1929, you might like this coffee. <laughs> Um, I ended up adding a little milk because I just felt like I needed more. So now I have a little bit of milk, more than a little bit of whiskey. It's fine. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, Sure. I only added milk and I was okay, but I did put a generous helping of milk in there. Oh, and you liked it black. Well, uh, is that our episode then, guys? I think so. Do we have any clarifications this week? Oh, not that I can think of oh shit you guys are off the hook thank you so much for listening to us and if you'd like to continue on we've got some fun love it or leave it's coming up here uh what are we tasting today is that a surprise episode um no jenny knows about the horrible thing that i brought for her to try it's not horrible though i think we're all gonna love it it's bread cheese oh and the traditional way of eating bread cheese is to cut it up into little squares and put it in your coffee amazing so that's what we're gonna try cool so and you're going to love it. Bread cheese. I think it's fucking weird, but whatever. It's just cheese. There's no bread in it. Oh. Yeah. Okay, good, because I'm gluten-free. Oh. Two. May. Gluten-free May. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese so, is keto. You're going to love it. Fantastic. So join us over there for that one. Uh, we'll continue the party over there. And uh, and then, Jenny, where would they go? Patreon.com slash pod, And make sure you tell a friend. Selling it. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast, generously sponsored by Modest Coffee, purveyors of single-origin coffee without the snobbery. Visit www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Enjoy.